0: This was staring us right in the face, right? And we saw that, hey, companies were kind of going through the struggle. You know, every uh, few months we would look at this and this problem was just exploding.
1: This is Contributor, a podcast telling the stories behind the best open source projects and the communities that make them. I'm Eric Anderson. Today we have Ju George who is a co-founder and co-creator of both Netflix conductor the open source project as well as more recently Orcus a company offering a managed conductor as a service. Ju thanks for coming on the show. Hey thanks for having me Erica super excited to be here. So I like to give you a moment to give us or our listeners really a explanation of what conductor is. I understand it to be like a workflow orchestrator which is a bunch of words that may not mean anything to somebody. How would you describe it? So Conductor started off at uh, Netflix as a workflow orchestration
0: engine. So think of this as uh, you have services that you've built in the company, services being microservices that you go and write code for. It could be long-running background services, uh, any piece of code that you're writing. And that we call a stats in Conductor. And workflows enable tying all of these pieces together and you know building complex logic around it and being able to run their entire end-to-end workflow. Uh, But over time, what you've seen is over the last several years since we open-sourced that, in the market, it's evolved generally into using something like Conductor to build platform teams, to build uh, scalable, reliable platforms upon which engineering teams can build their end-user solutions and help go to market faster and uh you know it's used in a wide range of companies across the industry for example in the banking bfsi segment you you can see people using it to build payment processing workflows people have used it to build uh, kyc workflows in insurance industry you know insurance claim workflows in the retail segment for example companies like tesla they build their order management pipelines uh, the order management platform runs on this uh, even their billing and payment platforms, right? So across the industry that we have seen, that's a commonality that we have seen, people using Conductor the orchestration engine to build large scalable reliable platforms upon which they can build their end user
1: use cases. Got it. So Conductor is an application building platform. There are other things out there that people could think are also application building platforms. Maybe they ground this. Initially, Ju, I imagine a lot of the use cases were around long running processes that had a series of steps, and, and accomplishing those steps over the network, over a series of microservices, were difficult. Maybe we just go through the history, and that would that would kind of illustrate for folks where this thing started and what it's become. Yeah. So
0: I think like uh, that that might be a you know kind of good segue into how it all started, right? So if you look at I think around the time when AWS kind of generally launched, right, like a pre-AWS days, generally. Uh, companies build services at monoliths, right? Everything was in one single box. At best, you would have a database server that separated out, right? And that was the general way things were built, right? And there were also the days when um, scale was not, like, big enough for a lot of companies, right? So the traffic could mostly be handled on really large-scale boxes. And vertical scaling was the way to kind of scale up when traffic increased, right? One of the things that was a big friction point at that kind of the 2006, six seven era was... Uh, if you wanted to start something new right or expand right like the uh, friction to kind of enter that was really really high and uh, you know you had to have capital to kind of uh, get machines procured launch services plan for that right and aws kind of saw that as a really great opportunity and this came up with this notion of cloud right and generally if you think about it makes it very easy for someone to kind of launch services because uh, you didn't have to worry about Procuring machines, like how long you had to keep it for recycling them and all of that stuff, right? One of the things that it did is, was uh, basically from an engineering perspective, right? It made it very, very simple to kind of launch services, right? Netflix saw a big benefit in that, right? And it made a significant call that I kind of altered the course of how people build services and build companies thereafter. It was basically, I think it was the first company of its size to completely operate in the cloud, right? Got rid of all its data centers, was completely in the cloud, And that led to one other interesting problem, right? Because it made it super easy to kind of uh, create services. Like uh, it also created orchestration challenges because before everything was in one box, it was easy to do that. Now everything was getting distributed, right? And uh, that is one of the things that Conductor was trying to solve, right? You build all the services, now we need to make a business sense of it Pre-conductor era, all of those was done by other services. You know, you you build a service, call into all the other services that it return, make business sense and return whatever you need to, right? Now, conductor came to kind of solve that piece because you know it created kind of coupling between all these services and in kind of uh counterintuitive to the fact why microservices were getting built in the first place, right? some of the use cases also led into long-running workflows, right? Uh, sometimes there were processes, uh, especially in the media entertainment industry, content acquisition, there were flows that would last several hours to weeks to months, and today we have in use cases that last several years, right? So that was one of the use case, but uh, because it was built as a very, very general purpose orchestration engine, it would also handle cases where you had to do orchestration sub-hundred milliseconds as well, right? So it, it basically does a wide variety of use cases, so uh, very general purpose And uh, one of the things that we also realized was um, around that point in time, Netflix also made a fundamental shift in strategy to uh, move from licensed content to kind of original content, right? Because like uh, content creation was kind of the differentiator in the industry. To achieve that, it also meant that uh, you had to create content at a scale that was never done before in history, right? And that meant creating the world's largest production studio, also one of the very initial use cases for Conductor, right? So we also understood that if something this, like this was going to be used in the company, it was most likely going to replace your core flows because you probably already had something before. What that meant is, if it's running the core of a business, reliability was the number one tenet of things about building conductor. And the second one was, every company is different. Their language stacks are going to be different. So making it language agnostic, making it cloud agnostic, right? So these were kind of the fundamental principles of uh, kind of building conductor, right? And I think eventually that's how it's evolved as well, right? Like uh, when people looked at it, it's a very general purpose orchestration system and uh, if you look at companies like tesla for example huge usage within the company started from using car order management systems right that was like eight month long workflow before your car uh, you know comes home once you place the order right that runs on conductor right Um, then they started using this for payments and billing use it for pipelines right and then across the industry right fintech retail supply chain healthcare it was getting used everywhere and and when we talked to around before starting Orcas, we also talked to around 50, 60 companies. And one of the commonalities that we saw was like people were using this to build platform teams over which they could unlock their end user use case on scale. So distributed application building platforms, that's essentially what like Conduct has really evolved into.
1: Okay, so so yeah, I, thank you, Ju, because I think I was trying to push you in the direction in the beginning of like there's certain use cases that are more fitting for Conductor. And I think you've, you've helped me understand that, no, this is a general application platform. And, and maybe to provide some specificity, if I understand it right, what Conductor offers are, are kind of modules, uh, you know, common patterns that people want to employ when building an application. And rather than repeat themselves over and over or reinvent the wheel every time, Conductor gives, it, gives them these kind of, if you want to call them modules out of the box to do common things you'd want to do with distributed applications. Whether that's retries on failure, whether that's have logical workflows like trigger this next step unless this condition exists and then trigger trigger that next step. You know, wait until this step is finished, until you do something else. All these patterns people may want to do, you've codified those into standard kind of bulletproof ways that then people can pull off the shelf and, and employ
0: exactly and if you look at like you know general platform teams in most companies this is exactly what they do right like they're in and repeat these things in in, in companies all the time right so that's one piece of the puzzle right um, you called about hey when when things uh, fail how do you go and do the retries for example right like uh, and those kind of things are inbuilt into the conductor and battle tested over the last few years in you know thousand dot companies right there's also this uh, sense of uh, it also kind of enhances and encourages use of uh, like reusable pieces of code right so you give an example, right? So if you are in the retail industry or supply chain industry, right? Like uh, payments is a core part of the system, right? It's not exactly as a company, that's not what you're doing, but then you are integrating with payments providers, right? Or maybe when something finishes, you're sending a notification to a customer who who kind of plays the order. So email, sending email or sending an SMS notification, right? Not the core part of your business, but once you build it as a building block, right? As a small task or as a small service, now it also encourages you because you have a repository of tasks and flows that you build uh, within Conductor, and now you can take that and then you know inject it into another flows that you're doing. So it encourages reuse as well, in addition to the things that we already talked about.
1: Okay, so so Conductor brings with it its own common patterns and modules, but individuals at a, at a team can can also build modules and have Conductor gives them a mechanism to kind of share and and manage those within the organization.
0: Exactly, and uh, that's a big value add. Like, you know, when we talk to customers, you know, customers of workers who are using Conductor, the enterprise-grade Conductor that they're doing, like, even before you use a specific module, you can see how the SLA for that is going to look like, right, because you have past history of that on all the workflow, you know, runs that's been run over the last three months, for example, right? So you can pick up a task and say, if I were to use this in my flow, how would my end-to-end SLA look like, right? And that's a big value add because you can see that, hey, Maybe there's you know hundreds of millions of executions in the last quarter for that particular task it hasn't you know 49 success rate so you can just blindly pull that and then use that without worrying about your end-to-end slas right but on the other hand like you know if you see something valuable but you know it's a you know 29 sla and uh, if as a service you're providing like a 49 sla you know that it's not going to meet your standards right so you get that kind of visibility as well into the you know especially when you're kind of reusing tasks as well
1: and netflix was kind of early to i mean there, there's other uh, solutions out there for doing this kind of thing but netflix seemed to be kind of on the cutting edge certainly of consuming public cloud they ran into these problems released conductor how long how long ago was this remind me so this
0: was around 2016 is uh, when we kind of build build this out and i think over the course of 2016 we got it to a place where it started getting widely used within the company as well, right? I think towards the end of 2016 is when we decided to open source that, right? And h- how does that conversation go? Yeah, so I think like one of our co-founders and you know Viren, like you know he was in the wrote the first line of code into conductor, right? So this was getting. I think there was a there was a problem that we were seeing that was the industry was actually going through, right? Uh, and Netflix was kind of deep into that, right? And we could see the journey that the companies were taking, right? And we knew that hey we had a two year head start to see all of these problems and we had a solution in place right and uh, culture was like the focus is going to be on being the largest content provider get to you know 200 500 million subscribers over time not spin off like other businesses uh, you know i think you know aws did a fabulous job with that like they were in the retail industry but they saw hey uh, you know there's a bunch of tooling out there that could benefit the they the spin off a business unit but netflix was not going in in that in that direction right and so However, they encouraged uh, uh, engineers in the company to go and say, if there's like great tooling that you have built, great products that you have built, yeah, you know, feel free to open source that, right? And there was a culture within the, Then there was this Netflix or some of love products, right? And uh, it just naturally fit into that. And then that's how we decided to open source that.
1: And is there like an open source czar that you go to and say, I've got this project, can we release it?
0: No, we didn't have that. I think Netflix also had this culture of freedom and responsibility, right? Okay. So if you felt that that was the right thing to do for the company, that was the right thing to do for uh,
1: the community, just go ahead and do that. So yeah. Good. And then the project took off. There's enthusiasm, maybe from the get go. Eventually, you left Netflix, maybe tell us your story and how you stayed with the project and, and then came back more recently to it.
0: Yeah, so so we are a four-founder company, right? Three of us from Netflix, uh, me, Viran, and Boney, right? And um, all of us worked uh, you know, closely on Conductor, some directly into the project, some of us like me. You know, when I started off, like I started to use Conductor as a user, right? And then uh, Dilip joined us. He was uh, XAWS and Microsoft, and he joined us later on. He was also a, you know, Conductor user. Uh, I kind of left uh, Netflix to join Uber late 2018, right? And... Uh, Lot of us went in another direction. I think like Viren went to Google, Boni went to join Robin Hood, right? And uh, we also, you know, had an entrepreneurial mindset all the time, right? You know, whenever the four of us would get together, it was like, hey, let's do a startup, right? And uh, there was also a discussion on like, hey, what do we build, right? And there were so many ideas that you know went back and forth, but this was staring us right in the face, right? Like, and uh, and we saw that hey, companies were kind of going through the struggle, right? And you know, every uh, few months we would look at this, and this problem was just exploding, right? And then when we just got together, thought about this thing, the industry was going through a big change, right? We had the right kind of founding team who built this product inside, had seen how it actually benefited Netflix and the open source community, and the you know few thousand companies were using it. And I felt like you know that was the right time to go and like launch a company around this, right? And then we got together somewhere mid 2021, and you know decided, hey, let's go go after this, and you know that's how it happened.
1: Now, maybe as the project matured, we've talked a little bit about how it's become more general, but you've taken on, tell us about the market as it exists today. It seems like it's evolved quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I think um, if you look at like, you know, open source usage, right? Or usage within Netflix as well early on, right? Like uh, it's pretty much used across every single vertical that you can think of, right? Like uh, if you look at um, media entertainment, obviously that is roots there, right? Like several companies that's using it at scale, right? in the retail supply chain world like we talked about the teslas there's the booking.com swiggies QPanks or of the world that's been using this for a variety of different use cases heavy in fintech right like jp morgan's morgan stanley Oracle financial services like in you know, a huge usage there and you know bifs right insurance companies and then we also started to uh, see that hey this was also used for like you know app modernizing use uh, use cases cross verticals right like uh Apple, LinkedIn, Cisco's intersite product, like you know, so that's where we saw hey there was like clear product market fit, right? Like, but we still didn't kind of idea of like what it was, kind of what was the commonality across all of these things, right? Because as a as a company, we also wanted to focus on something, right? Should we focus on a vertical? Should we focus on a specific use case? Cross verticals, but I think talking to all of these companies, one of the things that we found was the commonality was you know people were using this to build platforms, right? So. In the example of, you know, Tesla, it was an auto-management platform, right? In um, companies like Amex, it was a fraud detection platform. In cases like uh, LinkedIn, it was building a sales platform on the top of this, right? So, platforms is what people were actually using this for, right? And then, you know, in general, like I think as I was saying, right, like uh, Conductor has just evolved into that as well, right? Like uh, distributed application building platform, that's really what it's being used for right now, right? And uh, one of the other for things that we have also noticed in the last, you know, couple of years is... Uh, the mindshare of people has also changed. The way people think about how to build applications also changed. Right, a uh, lot of these folks who have been building applications today have been have have gone through the journey one or two times, and they understand that hey, orchestration is now a key part of the stack as well. Right, like the modern application stack. Right, and um, when they start building applications, just like you know, you don't think about building a database from scratch. Right, you you think uh, you know, SQL, NoSQL, whatever option you have, a key value pair database, memory in memory store. Right. You don't build a database from scratch today, and that same thing is actually happening in the orchestration space as well. And people building distributed application platforms they start with one orchestration, go over there. and just Orchest just happens to be you know a key leader in that space, uh, primarily because the product itself is like you know so mature and, and battle tested over the years.
1: Yeah, we chatted just a bit before the show started. You were talking about AI as being like one of these areas that you know maybe wasn't the original use case, but has been, become a great fit. Tell us about what kind of use cases are these data preparation for AI, or where does Conductor fit in in the AI landscape?
0: Yeah, it's it's actually an extension of what we've been doing already. So it's, you know, it's AI orchestration, right? But if you just rewind back a little bit, right, like um, the last, I would say like six to eight months, has, there's been a lot of change in the industry and how people have been pursuing how to kind of use AI in, in, in their businesses, right? But if you look at like, you know, even, you know, take a company like Netflix or Google, like, you know, they have used uh, AI using, you know, Netflix itself, right? You know, computer vision, for example, right? They have kind of used that to the advantage a lot and not a lot of people understand, like, you know, there were a lot of, uh, you know, tests that were done around artwork generation. And, you know, sometimes when you go on the the website, when you see the landing page, right? Like a lot of the artwork that you see is like completely machine generated stuff, right? And... Some of that also increased, uh, you know, helped kind of retention by a lot or, you know, increased viewing hours by a lot, right? Uh, Companies like Netflix have been able to kind of leverage AI a lot to kind of um, take their business to the next level, like, you know, get ahead of competition a lot, right? And a lot of people don't realize that, right? Uh, And we actually had a meetup uh, that we hosted with Netflix where people talked uh, Netflix has talked about you know you know how this really conductors right really leveraged uh, AI and you know how uh, Netflix has used that to get ahead get ahead of all the competition as well right, but one of the things that's happened uh, off late is ChatGPT right when that came out, what that's also done is taken put that uh, in the hands of consumers right so people who never kind of used AI ML before like. Uh, you could actually use Chat GPT and see how powerful the powerful this was, like, and put that in the hands of consumers. And then, as a user, people start to see firsthand, you know, how powerful this was and how they could potentially use it for a you know different use case within the company, right? And in the last few months, in a lot of our you know customers, they have been also kind of talking to us like, hey, I want to use AI and ML for my use cases. What do I use it for, right? So I think there's a problem around discovery of like what. We can leverage AI ML for that's a fundamental problem in the industry today. The second one is like you know once I decide you know how I want to use it like uh, it's not just about like you know figuring out like hey I'm going to use a model going to retain my data right like it's not that but it's like hey once you decide like you know your problem space and how a particular model can go and you know uh, fit that. You also want to integrate that with your core business flows, right? And that's where this whole end-to-end AI orchestration piece comes in, right? And uh, and that's where we are seeing increased demand as well, right? Um, so you have core business flow in, let's say, you know, in the insurance industry, for example, right? So document scanning, it's a very very common use case, and a lot of this is like a really long manual process, right? And uh, Using computer vision to go scan documents, uh, you know, taking that to the next level, taking the whole, you know, journey from uh, maybe it's a you know two week journey kind of taking a insurance claim process, right? By 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 humans that right? you know, something like uh, AI can kind of uh, supercharge that and get that done in in you know, in a matter of a few seconds, and then a human can come and take a look at the results of that, and then uh, you know, uh, supercharge like what they've been doing in the past before, right? So basically. This was a piece of their core business flow before, but now they have actually leveraged AI and then bought it their core kind of workflow, right? And then they have actually taken it to the next level, right? So integrating, you know, AI pieces in the core business flow, right? That's really where kind of uh, where we are seeing the industry is actually moving right now, right? And there's a lot of companies uh, where we have seen that uh, there's increased demand there, right? They don't have a lot of talent around ML engineers, right? Like in, in the in the Bay Area, you can see a lot of companies, you know, there's a significant amount of uh, investment in there are ML teams, uh, you know, ML engineers, but not a lot of companies operate that way, right? So taking AI uh, and kind of democratizing, uh, democratizing that, like, and taking that to uh, a regular engineer and uh, helping them discover what they can do, integrate in the post, uh, core business flows, like that's really where we see, like in the power of AI orchestration is going to be at. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm already thinking, One of the things I like is that you could easily insert... Take some of these media and entertainment examples. My understanding is that if you run a service like Netflix, every time a new title wants to become available, you probably have a bunch of steps you need to accomplish on that title. And if you wanted to use AI to generate captions, that would be a natural place to insert a step, generate captions. If you wanted to use AI to... Uh, generate, you know, a summary text at the beginning. It'd be a natural place to insert it in the flow. So it not only is is a way to automate or kind of control some of the AI workflows you have, but it's a natural extension point. I want to add AI to my business. If I have these workflows already built, it's it's pretty easy to slot them in. Yeah, absolutely. We're
0: actually working with, uh, you know, several customers in that space to exactly solve that problem, right? So, and I can give you a detailed example of that. If you if you take a movie today, right, in the ME industry, right, that has to go through a bunch of different steps before a consumer gets to see it, right? And today, you know, a lot of these companies have, you know, presence on the internet. So movies that you shoot in one country can actually travel globally. But to make that happen, you need to kind of uh, localize that to uh, that country's language, right? And subtitling, for example, is uh, one of a critical piece of that, right? Like, uh, but if you look at like how subtitling is done today, right? Take a movie, like, you know, if it's a, you know, episode of a TV show or a movie that's two hour long, right? It's it's a, you know, multi-week process to get that subtitling right. And uh, now we got the subtitling right. Maybe let's say you start with English. Now we need to kind of transcription is done, but you need to translate that in several languages uh, and carrying the context over correctly as well, right? It's a multi-month process across you know, different vendor companies uh, and then, you know, before you actually get it right and then doing a bunch of QC on the top of that, right? Now, especially with uh, how uh, text generation has changed with large language models, right? Like you can automate a lot of this, including like uh, capture emotions and question marks and making sure the names are kind of capitalized, you know, pronouns and all of those things, right? Like uh, generally, this is something that uh, automation around this area and industry has been struggling with, right? And, Doing subtitling use cases is, is, is a, a top thing that you know we have gotten from our customers, and you know we are doing some really good work there as well, right? So that was just one use case, right? But you know this within media and entertainment, itself, there's just like tons of such use cases where tedious processes where humans were involved in, right? Like uh, now AI can assist those humans to kind of uh, take like a multi-month project to a few minutes, right? and then do final QC on the top of that and then get that released with really super, super high quality.
1: Well, and and you can fake it till you make it with human in the loop stuff quite easily. I mean, that, that could just be another another logical step, insertion point for the workflow. So that, that's exciting on the A front, given everyone's excited about that. But more generally, I also think you're finding a home in the broader, maybe you've already spoken about this, Drew, the the application stack. I, mean, I Rather than being an appendage, a thing in certain use cases you need, I think the market is recognizing that workflow orchestration is is required, is kind of a standard part of every application now.
0: Yeah, I think um, the, if you look at like, you know, general modern application stack itself, right, like uh, that's really changed. I think like, you know, if you talk about like, you know, how the uh, kind of industry has evolved, right? Like uh, in the past, like when you look at like, you know, building applications, right, it involved a service layer where you had like, uh, you know, logic on how you want to solve a specific business problem, the data that was associated with that would be, you know, stored at a database, and then you might have multi-tiered strategy on doing that. And then, you know, you'll have caching layers in between and the UI layer on the top, right? And that would be a general way to kind of do things, right? But more recently, a lot of those things have also changed. Like, you know, people have been thinking about the orchestration layer, right? Like, and if you look at orchestration, like, and, you know, services has kind of said, hey, can I build this in a serverless manner, uh, especially in things which we don't, it's a stateless kind of service. I don't need to go and, you know, launch something new for doing this, right? Or, Uh, orchestration layer which is probably that sitting at the top of your backend stack for example right handling both uh synchronous and asynchronous flows for example right application uh, you know logic layer that's kind of cleanly separated out right and then you know there's also the whole you know transactional logic platform right like you know kind of different uh uh, good players in the space there right so i think like uh, the way people have been thinking about uh, building modern applications have also changed orchestration again you know, happens to be one of the key uh, uh, pieces of the stack, right? Like sitting right on top of everything that you do on the backend, right? Like, uh, and typically, you know, it, it's been the entry point on how you enter your backend stack, right? So, and that layer is actually, will actually grow and, you know, become even more important because that layer has like now visibility into everything that's happening within the company, right? Uh, and so it's a natural fit into solving other problems that sit on the side as well. So for example, you know, observability, for example, right? Uh, Or how do you just make like kind of debugging like so, so simple because like now it has like a visibility to the entire thing, right? Uh, And it not only kind of provides value to the core developer or the DevOps who's kind of, uh, you know, writing and managing those flows, but also now gives insight to the business leader, business unit leaders like, hey, I have X number of services within the company or X number of applications with the company, like, but I want to get visibility into what are the services where the SLAs are gone up or gone down, like, or where's my, you know, resources going, where's my compute, uh, you know, resources going, where, you know, where are the, you know, top spends going into, are they well utilized, right? So increasingly it's becoming like very, very uh, important piece of the ent- entire application stack.
1: That's great. And Ju, we gave the history, maybe take us to today. What, what's happening with the project this year? What, what do people have to look forward to? If folks wanna get involved, how do they, how do they get involved?
0: Yeah, so uh, I think like there's a as a company like you know last year was you know early on was like you know kind of building our cloud products out, right? So we had uh, you know early part of the year like you know had presence in most of the prominent cloud stacks, right? So we have a SaaS enterprise uh, enterprise grade SaaS products like available in, available in all the all the three clouds options kind of doing this in you know kind of private data centers for companies that are you know still still on prem right and uh, this year we are you know focusing a lot on scaling and then increasing our gtm also right but from a from a company's perspective there's uh, you know a few things that we are kind of focusing on for the rest of the year right like uh, and moving forward as well one is around integrations so we talked a little bit earlier on about yes you can build flows that are very important for your company that's where the orchestration layer is used for. But as an enterprise, like, you know, you are probably using a lot of different services across a lot of different providers, right? And uh, 80% of the flows for a specific business use case, you're building this yourself. But there is this 20% the use case, which you might need to integrate with other uh, enterprise applications that you have in the company already. So maybe when you finish a flow, you want to kind of uh, notify something on Slack, right? Or... You might have to, uh, you know, uh, send a page notification when things go wrong in some areas, right? Or other things like, you know, Zende- Zendesk integration or you know, integrating a Stripe for doing payments, for example, right? So there are these uh, popular enterprise applications that we are providing direct integration support with, right? And that we are doing right from a very grander level on just you know co- calling like you know api integration task level integration end to end flow integrations right like uh, making it very easy for people to one adopt Orcas within the company and then integrate with all of the uh, you know kind of key applications that they have within the within the within the company itself right The other one that we are kind of having a a big focus on is also on AI, right? Um, So AI orchestration is going to be a big part of what we are kind of going to focus on for the next kind of six to 12 months, especially because like the industry has actually seen how kind of AI can kind of help the business a lot, right? So there's a lot of area uh, work going into orchestration around the ai space discovering what companies can do with that and then integrating with the core business flows making it very very simple uh, you know just you know building ai should be like you know building another application right like uh, and that's one of our key focus as well right so i think like from a high level i think from a product perspective those are the two big areas that we're kind of kind of, uh, kind of focusing on for the next few months right uh, from a hiring perspective a lot of effort a lot of uh, you know effort going into kind of increasing gtm right um, Sales and marketing, like um, and if you that that's one big area that we want to focus on as well, right? Um, industry is also kind of uh, moving, kind of really really fast, right? Uh, this this macroeconomic conditions as well, you know, people looking into how can I kind of uh, leverage this to you know reduce TCO costs, right? Like um, that's actually helping, you know, playing in our favor as well, right? Like. Uh, because now you can consolidate a lot of these things uh, and get them all behind like a single orchestration because it's very general purpose. Like, you know, one, one tool can, you know, kind of serve a lot of
1: use cases within the company as well. Right. So those are kind of the high level things that we're kind of focusing on as a company. Great. And bring us home. Anything we didn't cover you wanted to cover today?
0: Yeah, I think we covered most of it. Right. Like, uh, but I think uh, the, the future, I think we've all seen, right, uh, this, 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 Going to be some tremendous impact in AI, and not a lot of. No one knows really where this is going to go into, but you know, everyone has seen some, you know, really good value in in uh, how AI can leverage. So I think uh, you know, kind of that's that's a big area. I think this 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 thing is going to continue to change direction, and you know, you know this, uh, you know where this is going to land at. But I think like we are in the right space, right? So I think that's kind of the you know super exciting thing that's happening on our side, right? But I think uh, outside of that, we covered a lot of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the the AI stuff I do find not only is it exciting to market, but I do feel like I, you look at LangChain or other kind of prompt engineering tools. They're are like workflow solutions. You know, ask ask the model this question. They give you some refined output. Then you want to change that output. You could you could apply security to you know pro- people are trying to figure out how to do prompt injection. There's things you could do to to sanitize the output of a model using a Conductor today, you know, request something from the model and then do all these checks to make sure it's not racist or or insulting um, before I publish it. So I do feel like there's a bunch of kind of prompt related work um, that Conductor would be useful for. It'd be interesting to watch. Yeah.
0: And I think like, yeah, seeing the customer uh, kind of... uh... Demand as well, right? Like, uh, and we can see this wide variety of use cases coming up, right? And some sometimes you feel like hey, it's like, is it like deja vu because we saw the similar things in Netflix? But I think the industry is at that point right now where everyone wants to basically leverage this, right? So I think it's going to be a you know great
1: you know couple of couple of years. Good. Thanks for doing this for you, and we'll have to follow things quite closely. Yeah, let's do that. And uh, thanks for having me, Eric. You can subscribe to the podcast and check out our community Slack and newsletter at contributor.fyi. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Eric Anderson, and this has been Contributor.